This is The Counter Rock, a rugby podcast brought to you by the Irish Times in association with Nifty Business. My name is Nathan Johns. Today is the Monday after the Saturday. Ireland have beaten Wales 31-7 with another bonus point victory. They are three from three in the Six Nations this year. A bonus point win at Twickenham in just under a fortnight's time leaves them as Six Nations champions with one game to go. Joining me today to look back at the win that was on Saturday is former Ireland international and current Irish Times rugby columnist Gordon Darcy and our rugby correspondent Jerry Thornley. Uh, Jerry, I won't start by asking about the atmosphere as no, we did don't. last week. No. But I'll, instead, I'll ask you for it. That um, was a bad Monday. We started <laughs> off with that question and went back and my car was clamped. Oh dear. Yeah. That's why it was clamped because yeah. I, if I didn't ask you that question... Yeah. Wouldn't, the machine uh, wouldn't wasn't working. Clamped. I put a note in the windowsill, came back, and the car was still clamped. Oh, was the note. I'm Jerry machine Thornley. Machine out of order. This is Jerry no, Thornley's car. No, machine out of order, not accepting card. Tried three times. Put the, the date and time and everything. Didn't put my name on it, Doris, no. You need to have the, well, that's what you should have done. You need to have the old, the old Trevor Brennan uh, clout in around town. I'm surprised you don't have it. We uh, we went down, we met Trevor years ago when he was, when he was still, before he, uh, before he got banned, um, went down to meet him for a coffee. And he pulls up in the car, just dumps the car up on the footpath. And we're like, what are you doing? He goes, it's okay. And we were looking, we were walking back afterwards. And his jersey, he has the number six pulled over the seat. So all the coppers know that it's his car. This is down in Toulouse, is it? Yeah. The king of Toulouse. I'd say kings. I'd say he wouldn't be the only one who can pull that trick playing for Toulouse. Yeah, fair enough. It'd be interesting to see if his sons are like that now. Josh Josh Brennan is still down there in Toulouse. that aside, um, well, hopefully you don't get clamped today, Jerry. Hopefully. Well, I brought, that's why I brought the bike. <laughs> very clever. Very clever. Um, we are roughly 48 hours out from Ireland beating Wales, 31-7. Three wins from three. Grand Slam is still on. Uh, myself and uh, Doris were actually just talking before we came on air. The way the table is at the minute, a bonus point victory in Twickenham in two weeks' time seals the title. Yes. Uh, it's not very often you have a team sealing the title uh, with one game to go. Obviously, that is you know, a lot of if buts and maybes and a lot of water under the bridge before then. But uh, where, where where did you see Saturday, generally positive, probably the most flawed display of this um, tournament so far? I don't know about that. Maybe was it the most flawed? Was the most flawed? Well, certainly the French performance was excellent all around. Pretty good to Velodrome. A win by five tries to two. Italy, it, was, it wasn't far removed from Italy, maybe a little bit less convincing than that. But then again, I thought Wales put up a much better resistance than the Italians did. Um, in fact, Wales kind of kept their spacings really well, didn't get outflanked much. Their tackle execution was good. Even the try Ireland scored, it took whatever, 15 phases to break them down in that first half. The first half was like a training session. It was felt like the Welsh had been wearing bibs. It was attack against defence. And for them to keep the score to what they did was actually something of achievement to come back in the third quarter the way they did. I'm looking at the clock after about 55 minutes and going, Wales are on the attack here. It's 17-7. I went, no, surely not. No, surely not. Um, but an are down to 14 men. You're thinking, God, this this Six Nations, really, you know, we, we should never forget its capacity for surprise. But then, of course, a tight burn comes back on, makes that muscular steel. Roland Keller makes that jackal penalty. And then once he makes that bust, you knew, yeah, it's all okay again. Warren Gatland-Dars, after the game, said in that first half, we felt Ireland didn't trouble us with their attack. The general face, but he made the point that they just were obliterated at the scrum and Ireland just get, kept managing to kick penalty after penalty into the 22 and eventually a mall try kind of inched its way over. And it has to be said, the Welshman was actually quite good. They did repel Ireland initially and then they got a mall try of their own later on. 
Is that fair? I thought there was a little bit, uh, not disingenuous, but I thought maybe rose-tinted uh, glasses there from Gatland. Because you do remember Ireland's offloading game, when it didn't lead to errors, was pretty good in that first half. Yeah, like I'd say, so Gatland set out a stall and typically bullish, you know, announced the team on Tuesday. Um, was like, oh yeah, we got a plan to disrupt and to to hassle Ireland, and th- and they did it, it, to to some degree. And he would probably be sitting there afterwards, going, you know, and I think he said as well the the scoreline didn't reflect the game. And it, it get it it depends on which changing room you're in. Well, it's funny because Andy Farrell that was put to Andy Farrell afterwards. So Andy Farrell went after Gatland. And someone said, Warry Gatlin said the scoreline didn't reflect it. And Farrell said, yeah, well, we should have scored 50. <laughs> so that's that's your point. And that, is, and that is the crux of it. Like if you're in a Welsh team, you're going, as Jerry said there, it was like night and day attack defence. Ireland had 73% possession in the first half. Like every time Wales got the ball, like they literally just dropped it. They didn't get over. They didn't get a multi-phase until the first three minutes of the second half. So they, they were just giving up territory. They were giving up possession. They were just staying in every uh, in every defensive set to try and just stop Ireland from scoring. And and they did that largely to it. But I think what it does, one of the things you have to accept in the modern game is the way it's ref now, because you can get quick ball and you can get over the game line. You have to be proficient in attack. And their try came from a penalty mall not actually getting over the line and um you know their while their defensive mall was was solid you know they were bailing water for me from most of most of that game as for wales jerry um it's it's, it's strange to say after they lose by what 24 points but they, they, there seems to be a lot of positivity surrounding them given that i think people were expecting a lot worse like you look at some of the displays that happened ireland did a good job of keeping someone like tommy rafael quiet but you look at someone like cameron winnett I thought he was fantastic, especially in that middle period when Ireland were down to 14 and he was running back kicks and, and being a threat. Um, Daffy Jenkins thought had a, had a couple of good involvements, especially in that mall area. Um, Alex Mann, Aaron Wainwright, that back row looks to be quite solid. I mean, if they can get someone like a Joe Hawkins back, a ball carrying 12 and, yeah, maybe, and, sort, that, yeah. and sort out yeah. their front row, two, three years, this is a Welsh side that looks like it can compete. Could be competitive, but you still don't think it'll have anything like the golden generation that won three Grand Slams for Gatlin, the Alan Wynne Jones, George North at his peak, and out half like Dan Bigger, and you know, the list got Justin Tipbridge, wonderful world class player. Will it, will it have that collection of players, goal kickers like Lee Halfpenny, centres like Foxy Davis? That, Wow. They when you look back in it, the team that the last hurrah that won the Grand Slam in twenty twenty one or two, whatever it was. That team nineteen. Yeah, it was the year before remember there was the oh, yeah. the Gareth Anscombe no, game in Cardiff. They won they won sorry, they won the title in, in the pandemic though. Do you remember behind closed doors? When what's his name's full year first year? Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, the last yeah. that was yeah. the last hurrah yeah. of that generation. And and Gatland, I did the stats in this. He He's used 65 players in his first 15 games. With the best win in the world, the Welsh don't have 65 international players. I'm not even sure New Zealand is 65 or South <laughs> Africa is 65, but certainly Wales don't at the moment. And he's been fishing around and he got a, a cobbled together a good team for the World Cup that won all their pool games, thrashed Australia, beat Fiji. I was at it. It was, a, you know, they didn't get enough credit for that. They actually did beat a very, very good Fiji inside, topped their pool and should have beaten Argentina, but then lost away and fell away badly. And now he's had to do a complete rebuild again. And I thought they were, they're very spirited. They're quite fit with one or two exceptions. Um, And they hunt in very well, but their attack is limited. There's no doubt their attack is limited. And you saw that against England. Have they gone, it's three halves of the Six Nations out of six where they haven't registered a solitary point. Yeah, but I think you know. it's, it's, as I was saying, it's a stereotypical Gatlin performance in that circle of wagons. We get everybody in, we play for each other. We, you know, really, really 
close the clo- yeah. close in the ranks and you kind of dip into that emotional performance. It only gets you so far. But what else can he do, Darth? Give oh, no, but the origins are but w- listen, extraordinary without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. But you're 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 getting that from them now. They do need to get a win. They do need to get something over the line um, for these players to go. Listen, the squeeze has been worth it. All of this effort, all of these, because they're like they're leaving. They you definitely cannot fault the effort of not what they're do, what they're doing. There. No, um, definitely not. But they do need to get they do need to get a result for Gatlin's voice to stay prominent and to keep landing the same message because sure. at yeah. some point then you're kind of going these guys lose to France and lose to Italy and you're kind of going it's, that would be one win in thirteen something like that yeah but that's it's the hard then when you're as a that's player hard. in that Wales, changing room. yeah and Wales as a nation yeah but very, when you're in that changing room yeah. and you're going yeah. You're telling, you know, we believed we bought in, but ultimately we, we haven't done it. So, and I think that just to draw on what you were saying there as well, that probably missing one or two or three, like that sprinkling of star quality. I'm not sure the ten, either of the tens are good enough. Well, they, I think it's worth it's highlight worth highlighting. Uh, what is it? The, is it the six, sixty cap rule? We were talking about this on with with Mike Bubbins the other day. I think it, I believe it's sixty caps if you don't play. In well, the region. I think it's only twenty five caps. Oh, is it twenty five? They brought it down, but you need to have more than a certain number of caps if you play outside of Wales. If it's not your first contract, if it's not your first professional contract, so that's why someone like Daffy Jenkins, who plays for Exeter, he's only twenty one, he can come back and play for Wales. But it's why Joe Hawkins can't because he plays for Exeter as well. But that's his second professional contract. Uh, it's why Reece Samet can play. I think. Well, no, he's more caps now. He's enough caps. He's obviously gone. Uh, we'll see whether he he makes. He's it also the, playing a different sport. Well, that's the thing. Whether he, he, he might. <laughs> well, that, that's that was, my problem. <laughs> well, yes, we'll see if he makes it in the gridiron. I'm sure a number of Welsh fans are, are hoping that uh, he doesn't get. There's signed a couple up. in Japan, isn't there? Joe Hogan, Lee, Lee, Liam Williams is in Japan, isn't he as well? Yeah, Lee Halfpenny's down in the Crusaders. Although he's, yeah. he's injured, he got injured playing against Munster. They have a, a few prop playing in France. They're not picking as well. A good prop. Well, they could do with a prop. I mean, it's Big not time. it's not very often you see Ireland getting scrum dominance to the extent that they did in that first half. Yeah, I know, and this has been a problem for the Welsh throughout this tournament. And they're like, I think he's used something like eleven props in those sixteen games as well. And certainly, they don't. The Welsh don't have eleven props. And you know, there was a bit of a puzzlement in Wales as to why he just was ignoring Dylan Lewis. But it was we can we discuss later when Dylan Lewis came on, he immediately locked the scrum and all that. Gaddy, why aren't you picking Dylan Lewis? This was his first appearance at Six Nations and it needed quite a number of injuries for him to go to Dylan Lewis in the second half of the game. And he did lock the first couple of scrums and then you see him in open play. <laughs> yes. And you go, right, now I get why he's not being picked because he's just not of the requisite fitness levels and mobility um, that Gatlin would want from his players. We were talking about this before we started recording. There is a, there is a video doing the rounds on, on Twitter. I think Rian Lowe is the name of the guy who shared it. And it's, it is quite funny. It's, it's, worth, it's worth finding if you can. Um, to, to tee it up, Darce, you said typical Gatlin performance. One of the areas that was typical is they didn't compete at the breakdown. They let Ireland have the ball and said, we're going to have 14 men in the line and make you go through and around us. Look, that's all well and good. It worked to an extent in that first half. But the problem is you're making tackle after tackle and giving Ireland quick ball. And that's a real issue. When we saw poor old Dylan Lewis has to make two or three tackles in the space of 30 seconds. And then he has to try and tackle Tyg Byrne at the end and he falls over and Byrne scores. So it's all well and good not not competing and letting Ireland have the ball. But do you have the fitness levels or just do you have the cattle to be able to do that for extended periods? Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's hard. Um, and it's a tactical decision that you make. Um, as he said, the set out was they wouldn't put numbers in the breakdown. So for everyone listening, well, that the knock-on effect of that, what that means is you will have the tackler 
Ireland will have to have two or three people in the ruck plus the scrum half. So they have four people off their feet and where Wales will only have one. And the, I suppose the rationale then is you have numbers spare in defence so you can actually try and get up in the face of the Irish attack, which they did for large parts of the game uh, and frustrated Ireland repeat, more or less repeatedly. But with a player like Jameson Gibson Park, who is so skilled at moving the ball away from the breakdown, moving the point of contact so to so many different areas while Wales's defensive system was doing what it was spent, supposed to be doing they were running and chasing shadows for large parts of the thing and then eventually the tack it that will work when you get 50-50 possession but our, Ireland had i think about 65 70% 65% possession maybe for across the across the whole game 56% it said at the end but that Given that the whole third quarter was spent in the Irish 22, that's kind of remarkable. Yeah. Well, bear in mind for the first half, it was 70 30. Yeah. So the damage is done at, so at, you'd at various quarters as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah at various yeah. points in that. Right. We're talking about the Welsh bench faltering slightly, Jerry. A complete opposite for the Irish bench. It yeah. is yeah. actually all of a sudden, yeah. without any of us really noticing until yesterday, the power that they can bring off the yeah. bench. Kelleher at uh, at Hooker, even the fact they're picking Jaeger, what's he, six foot four? Um, massive tight head to come off. James Ryan, it doesn't get a lot of credit, I think. And people might look at the yellow card. People might think, look at the yellow card. Harsh and, yellow, it's not his well, yellow, it's a team it's yellow. It's a team yellow, yeah. but equally, I thought that defensive set you were mentioning earlier, yeah. he was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Ryan Baird, look, he's got the, the trademark busts up the middle these days. And even Jack Conan, I thought he was quietly excellent as well. Those are four or five incredibly powerful options to bring off the bench and it's not really something we've we've had before in Irish rugby to that extent. I don't think there's ever been a powerful a more powerful impactful bench than this one in terms of just high tackle count high energy and high physicality and but and also they steered the ship home in many ways just through the direct carrying of Kelleher and Baird and Conan particularly I mean but they also gave huge energy to the defence I was the stats are remarkable all six of the forwards that came on even though they played for between eight minutes or 30 minutes, every single one of them is in double figures for tackles. It's extraordinary. Conan, 14 in 30 minutes. Keller, 13 in 26 minutes. And Healy, who had a very impactful game for holding that try over the line by Rainwright, Jaeger, Ryan Baird, all 11 tackles each. Plus the carries are making line breaks, busts and everything else. So it was almost bomb squaddish. You know, it and it, it it vindicated the six-two split, and it's very interesting where they go in the future with this because it worked in the Stad Velodrome as well, didn't it? It's a gamble, but we would have had equally as big packs down through the years. Interesting. Okay, go on. So, like, when we, you, we would never have had six impactful forwards uh, on the bench. I don't think, though. I'm not sure that's that's. I think there was plenty of competition when you look at say. No, I know that. Know, no, no, but I'm just hang on. Yeah, <laughs> let, me, let, me, six, let me get there. Let me pick six people. I know. Let me get there. <laughs> Um, there has been other periods where we would have had a similar profile to what we have now. I think one of the key differences is we have a coach that's willing to embrace it and not in a, oh, we're playing South Africa and we might get beaten up here, so I'm going to go with a 6-2 split. He's actually going, this is a weapon for us to actually impose ourselves on other teams and I think that's a key difference with uh, with with Andy Farrell I don't think Kidney I don't think uh, Eddie O'Sullivan I don't think uh, Joe, Joe would have no. ever thought along those lines so I think that's a mindset shift from from these guys and I Definitely. think that's yeah. it's, and it's to be it's to be applauded there's, well, there was, before Velodrome 
Ireland had never done gone for six two split in history. Did, they didn't do it against South Africa at that time in the World yeah, Cup. Exactly. South Africa picked yeah. seven forwards yeah. that day. Yeah, and Ireland have never gone for six before. So I don't know, Darcy. Do you think like if they went five three in Twickenham, Ryan Baird or Jack Cohn or James Ryan misses out? I don't think which they is do. extraordinary. I don't think I don't think yeah, they can do that. I think they get they. they keep, I think it's, it's also an so element well. of playing to your strengths, isn't it? What this is what Ireland have at the moment. But there is a gamble therein if you get an injury early on in the back. Line. Like it is, but like you're also setting your like games are one up front. Like you look at how different that if Wales had a tight five, had five impactful forwards to come on, you know, we're into the realms of what ifs and things like that. But that would have, in the way the game had unfolded, five forwards come on and genuinely impact that. That has a, a material impact on the potentially on the outcome. I think when you go into Twickenham, you win away from home. Stats are very, you know, brutal like with, with the home team, 75% you know, in favour of teams that are playing at home. So Ireland go there with a 6-2, a 6-2 split and you get an injury in the backs. Yeah, it disrupts your, it disrupts your attack a bit. It all depends on, say, if it's Stu McCluskey, for argument's sake, how he fits in. And, but the looks of where he can't be fitted in uh, at the, the weekend. Wing. Yeah, he looks, he looked you'd, fine. You'd wonder who'd go full back if Frawley got injured. Crowley. But then who but goes who ten? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think, well, well, obviously, a lot of that depends on if if Hugo Keenan is fit to start at Twickenham or, yeah, or not. Of course, of course. Um, but yeah. sorry, I, I I did McCluskey a disservice by not mentioning him in that in that kind of powerful bench impact. He had that. He set up the burn try with his big hit on Mason Grady and then yep. a counter rook that led yep. to a penalty. Ireland kicked to the corner. Burn scores after running poor old. Connor Dick. Murray pulls the strings very well in it all. Sorry, as well, just before you just the one thing I just wanted to say on the six two split. So mm-hmm. how we've ended up in this place has mm-hmm. come in from Joe McCarthy. So the. His six months ago, he was a clear talent, but just wasn't ready for international at the at the at the top end. And I know full full too well how much six six months can make in a player's career. The difference between him now and August last year is massive. He has just added now, and he's over. He has leaped over James Ryan in the selection. Um, so he's he's gone in there. What that gives now is options. Right across the back row, this option opens up the six-two split because you have all of these. Um, you have the option of the power game. You've got you can keep McCarthy and James Ryan if you need scrummaging in the last twenty minutes. You can re- interchange them there to keep uh, Tyg Burn on the field. You can now look at Tyg Burn and options in the back row if you want to bring them in. It it just opens up so many options, and, the thing and about that's what a player like McCarthy gives you. And also, in fairness to Farrell. Like he's so adept at spotting, he's got an eye for a player and how he's going to fit into the Irish team that's almost quicker than the provinces. Be it James Gibson Park, like Gibson Park was number two to Luke McGrath when he's brought into the Irish squad. And he had Joe McCarthy on the development tour two years ago nearly. And he would have been in the Six Nations squad last year, but for injury. And he's very good at doing this. Like Calvin Nash has been in the Emerging Ireland Tour, Jack Crowley Emerging Ireland Tour, Joe McCarthy Emerging Ireland Tour and New Zealand Tour. Like, as he said last week, they may be new to you people, but they're not new to us. So all these players are serving their apprenticeship in the squad. So when they come in, they're ready. Ireland have had four full Six Nations debutants in, this, in the first three rounds, but you wouldn't have thought it. They've all si- slipped in seamlessly, whereas by comparison, Gatlin's throwing in players, you know, that haven't, like, their out-halves have not done time with somebody like Dan Bigger, whereas 
Jack Crowley has served an apprenticeship of 18 months with Johnny Sexton. He's very astute, a clever coach. He really, really well, is. Well, it's, it's worth highlighting. McCarthy was in an Ireland squad even before the emerging Ireland. He was called yeah. up midway through the 2022 Six Nations. Uh, so that was the year they yeah. won the Triple Crown. He was in that squad. I think, I think Lens were a bit unlucky because he got injured for so much of last season. We'll never know how their season might have panned out otherwise. But I, I think he would have been in the Six Did he miss the whole of Six Nations last year with an injury? He had an injury. For the six but I think his, but I just, the point of just a labour with someone like McCarthy is that maturity that has come over that experience of the World Cup. Again, probably spending time yeah, with yeah. players, with Paul O'Connell. Yeah. Um, but there's a maturity to his performances now yeah. um, that wasn't there um, 12 months Still ago. Just gives away a couple of penalties, but you don't want to take that edge away from him. You know, the one in the air was a little bit harsh. The counter rook, I think, was fair enough. That was a penalty. But that footwork for the try, it's, like the, it's just extraordinary. And the other thing about it, Darson, you know this better than I do. When you bring in a young almost firebrand like Joe McCarthy who's like a, almost like a wrecking ball and is kind of plays with a certain youthful freedom as well as quality. Isn't it very galvanising for everybody else around him as well? Like look at Tyke Burns two performances in the Velodrome and last Saturday. I mean, he's been outstanding. And that is that an element of a 30-year-old going, whoa, look at this kid. There's an element of that, isn't there? It freshens up a team when a, a new player comes in. You, you probably had that effect once yourself in the Irish team. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, it might be a bit generous. Um... But yeah, no, it does. It's but what it what it frees up players to do is to do something else. Like when he carry, as you point in case when he had that big carry and the lead up to the try, it frees up other players to do other roles. Um, so it adds five Welsh defenders. Took five Welsh defenders out of the defensive system. Adds a new, adds a new dimension. Sorry, it adds a new dimension to uh, players because suddenly, if you don't have to like that, so that by that carry, it's super quick ball. As you're saying. Two, two players immediately tackling him, one player in behind. Everybody looking in at the rook. As they're looking in at the rook, Gibson Park has the ball shipped away from it. So that's the that's an added dimension that he that a new dimension that he gives. Um, Wales played into that though by gifting him the free rook, the quick rook speed by not competing, which is ties us nicely back to the point we were we were making earlier. Right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, myself, Jerry, and Gordon are going to discuss England's defeat to Scotland on the weekend and what that means for Ireland's trip to Twickenham in a few weeks' time. Yeah, it's certainly different. It's, it's obviously something that we've yeah. we know is the, the South African defence and and all that. Felix will, um, uh, will constantly try to put his stamp on him, implementing that. You know, so there's always going to be teething problems at, at the start. They'll go harder. <laughs> there's no doubt about that because that's 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 a, the philosophy. So it's something that we've come up against before, and and we all know that. Our lads, our lads are coached by the by, by the coach that made it up in the first place. You know, so. Welcome back to the Counter Rock. My name is Nathan Johns. You just heard from Andy Farrell there, who was speaking on Saturday evening after Ireland's victory, talking about England's famed new blitz defence and the challenges that it's going to face when when Ireland go to Twickenham on March the 9th. Before we get on to England itself, though, and obviously the Felix Jones, South African-style defence, Jerry, it's a very interesting comment that by Farrell, with kind of almost like a throwaway at the end when he said, oh yeah, our our lads are coached by the lad who invented the blitz defence, so we should be well prepared to deal with it was, was the, the, the inference, I think, um, or the implication. Uh, you wrote in, your, in, the, in today's Irish Times that uh, Andy Farrell was wistfully referring to himself. Um, I think at the same press conference, I, I might have actually offended Mr. Farrell by following up and saying, well, 
do you mean Jacques Nienaber at Leinster, considering most of the team is coached by him these days? And uh, he gave me a funny look. Who, who, who invented this blitz defence? Who, who can Ireland thank? Well, I think he was talking about himself, given that he's been in the Irish setup for eight years. Like, we've got to get, remember he, that he did a near four-year stint as a defence coach. But did he, he invent a blitz defence? I don't know if he invented the blitz defence per se, but that's who I figured he was talking about. I doubt very much he's attributing Ireland's defence to Jacques Nienaber. No, not rather, not their defence, rather, but that they're they're in assist. There's enough. I think there's, an in, there's a little bit of an influence, all right, from Nilabar. Yeah. I think you can see that in the way that Caelan Doris and Joe McCarthy counter ruck more than they used to. It's very much a, a Springbok trait. You 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 look at all those vids on YouTube, and we want to f u c asterisk them up. It's a common thing they say in their team huddles, and they go after opposition malls and rocks. It's a very Springbok thing to basically give you nothing, give the opposition team absolutely nothing for free. Not a scrum, not a rook, not a maul, nothing. Just constant. And uh, there's an element of that creeping into maybe a little bit of Leinster and um, Ireland. But I think he would take great offence that the this is not our, this is very much an Irish defence that goes back a long way now. I mean, those stats on the last 13 games, 13 tries conceded. When the nearest, everybody else's double figures are more, it's quite extraordinary. It's I mean, he, it was very interesting when I spoke to him in the Monday huddle after. He said, look, you're always saying we want improvements for next week. What was good about today? Well, like, what was a box ticked? And the first thing he said, our defence is top drawer. There's no doubt about that. And it's very w- rare that Andy would pat his own team on the back to that extent. And I went back looking at it and those, like, Darts is right, they were going, the Wales weren't going very far early on, but there were still some, re- there was a couple of really good jackals by Bundyaki and Andrew Porter, which stymied them. Then they came knocking before half time. Josh van der Fleer put in a big, big hit, and I think it was Nip Com- Tompkins, and then Caelan Dar's big hit, and, and George North. And ultimately, they conceded one questionable try to a line at Mall, and that was their first score conceded in 150 minutes. And the previous one, if you remember back to the velodrome, was, was a very questionable mall try. try as well. Dars, based on what you saw from England, uh, who were just after Ireland on Saturday, uh, will they pose more questions to Ireland's impressive defence? Borthwick is in a very tricky position now. Asked for the reins, had a obviously clear vision of what he was going to do and what he's going to bring. He's had over 12 months in the role now and it's hard to see much improvement in England. So I think that loss in Scotland has yeah, has set them back considerably. The one thing England have is they do have quality. For me, they're quite I think they're badly organized or badly set up at the moment. That's the thing. They seem to be caught between two ways of playing. I mean, their first try was a brilliant backline strike. One yeah, you, wasn't it? One you didn't yeah. see from them in the World Cup at all, by no. the way. They didn't do anything like that. No. And they have. They've got the centers. You know, someone like Henry Slade. They didn't play Dingwall on the weekend, but he's a brilliant ball-playing center. Ollie Lawrence, granted, he gives them that bust up the middle that they need. But I think in the press conference afterwards, Borthwick was really interesting. He said some, something along the lines of... Um, Scotland's 10, 12, 13 played together for the 16th time today or something. Whereas Ford, Lawrence, Slade, that was the first time, according to Borthwick, that they played together. Uh, like, give me a break. That <laughs> is just absolute nonsense. Channing, you're in a like, in there. Do me a favor. Uh, a little bit. Like, you're just kind of, you're like, and this, uh, I suppose that's, that is the job. That's the gig. Like, you're, but you're like, you're deflecting away from like your own teams rather than dealing out of, like head on, but I suppose a bit of honesty in a press conference is is going to be is going to be rare uh, from coaches. It's like, oh no, it's not us, it's them. Look at you know they've got lovely structures and everything. Like you're at a, I'm gonna be. Hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me in the in the in, in the rear end. But if you're 
kind of going like, oh, but the Scotland structure is more uh, conducive to uh, winning matches than the English one, you're kind of uh, grasping at straws a little bit. <laughs> the point is that they're caught between two stools, I think. That they have the cattle, I think, to play and those first phase strikes play with their attack. Ford is a good 10. You can, Ford is actually probably their most adaptable 10 in terms of kicking game and running game. But then with 10 minutes to go, they're down by nine points. Ben Spencer is taking 17 seconds at a breakdown to box kick the ball away. Astonishing. They're so programmed to this game. They're nine points so, down. So programmed to this game. It's extraordinary. They're this really is robotic. the problem. Yeah. They yeah. are very badly coached and set up. So when we go over there, what we what you have now is you have a two different philosophies coming head to head. You have what is a loosely structured heads up type approach from Ireland, still heavily structured, but we are looking to create high tempo uh, rugby versus what England is, which is playing to percentages based off statistics. And unfortunately, they've they don't have a feel for the they don't have a feel for there the game. There was a very good uh, segment on the BBC highlights show yesterday with Johnny Barkley and Sam Warburton, and they were just showing they were freeze frames with Ford getting the ball off a line out, and the receiver next receiver in midfield ten yards behind him on the gate line. Like, and then they go eventually go out wide, and they get they get all the way back up to near the gate line on the outside. But it's just they they. And their their reaction from turnovers is almost non-existent. They don't seem to have an idea what to do off turnovers, which, in as we all know, is in the modern game can be gold dust. Like even for a not particularly inventive French side, they can be superb off turnovers. Most sides can be just slip into some kind of attacking mindset. Not not this English team. The only thing I would say is, as we saw in the World Cup in the all four quarterfinals and one of the semi-finals. Sometimes the more, the more attack-minded team, the team that passes more, runs more, carries more, creates more, doesn't always win. And England at Twickenham will, might just look what do they did last Paddy's Day in, in March they, against Ireland to Viva. They might just look for a one-off identity, go back to their kicking game, kick, 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 even more than ever, and truck it up and very little else and play their defence. And with a fired-up Twickenham, it could be a difficult afternoon, is all I'm saying. You've written the script. Like England have written their own script and we've, we're have we all too familiar with that. Just on the point where you're talking about the forward and then the next pass being so far back, that is players who are not, they are playing to a system and not overly confident in it. So your, set, your friend is depth and big passes, it all looks good, but ultimately doesn't achieve much, as you said. So they've gone like three passes back couple of big runs and where do they get to a rook in the five meter channel and it's at the same place where the ball was thrown into that line out and you know if you've got defenses one of the one of the problems with forward as your 10 is the more you get up in his face the deeper he goes the deeper he drops and then your attack becomes completely stymied because you've you're going backwards to go around and England don't really have the out and out pace that you would you would have the defence will probably get better in round four like d- defence is an easier fix agreed and that's exactly what Wales did coming to here exactly and they will there will be a huge focus on Ireland in a two week build up to Ireland coming off a defeat playing at home Felix Jones winding up this defence even more than they've already done. There have been glitches in all three games. Off the top of my head, I can I can visualise Italy with an inside pass going and beating the blitz on the outside. I can remember that ball back inside to Tommy Raffa, linking with Alex Mann, also beating the blitz. I remember the Scotland didn't Scotland also did that as well, didn't they, the weekend with the with the Hugh the Hugh Jones break. So there are glitches in this system that I'm sure an Irish attack is clever enough because it's such a clever team. Ireland is set up both. And this brings us back to the Dylan Lewis point where they didn't target him in the defensive line, but they did it. It's something Ireland do very well. 
well by attacking predominantly in the 15 meter channels they're making two or three forwards on the opposition work really hard and then eventually they find him in the line and attack him that's what Wales did the inside raffle ball it's because Will Stewart the tight head prop is not quick out of the line so there's a dog leg bang inside ball you're in Ireland are equipped to deal with that, I think, and to find those flaws and find those lazy forwards, lazy yeah. type five forwards on the inside. Like, and again, with the greatest respect to Wales that went through this, just where they are currently at the moment, I don't think that was the sharpest performance from Ireland, and I don't think they needed to be their sharpest performance for Ireland. And I think going to yeah. uh, going to yeah. Twickenham will sharpen the mind. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that will that and no works. harm to Arsenal. They didn't yeah. win by fifteen 0 isn't it? Yeah, and that but that works for both teams. Yeah. And I think yeah. England will be looking at it. And the worry, not the worry for me, but the I suppose the template has been laid for England to go. Well, actually, if we get in and we defend a little bit like what Eng- what Wales did, are a little bit sharper when we have the ball, we can be in a position where maybe it's ten all going in at half time, and that's the carrot for Borthwick and everything uh, and all those. For Ireland, it is about going, okay, getting ready for this blitz defence, whatever is going to, what's going to come. But this is where you want to see Ireland switch back into that relentless, ruthless mentality mode that we know they're capable of, which we saw in Paris, or sorry, in Marseille in the opening week. Yeah. And bear in mind, they had reasonable success uh, against uh, South Africa with a blitz line defence. It was funny, actually. We, we had Jack Nienaber, um a few weeks ago on a on a live event and he said Ireland actually surprised them in attack um, we might have to you know bring in a, a substitution for Gordon Darcy here he's uh, I think uh, the hamstring is, is acting up a little bit there Gordon I've just got a cramp <laughs> oh my god cycling it's yesterday tough, it's tough work this talking about rugby it, really it gets, is it gets, it is, gets yeah. the legs going well, yeah, I was getting ready for this uh, daddy aid cycle uh, so uh, I was doing some miles yesterday and um, now I've just got an absolute shocker of a cramp I dread the fact that this is a, a podcast and not a visual thing. That would have been an interesting <laughs> visual to go up on <laughs> later on. Um, right, let's let's finish up. I want to talk about the Italy. I mean, the width of a post away from from beating France in in Lille on, on Sunday. Um, France, another card, another red card. Jonathan Dante uh, seeing red just shy of half time. Um, Gordon Fabian Galtier the French head coach is under a lot of pressure and it just seems like after the emotional low that was crashing out of the World Cup uh, in at the quarterfinal stage their home World Cup they just I don't know what it is France just seem to they, they're not buying into this project anymore yeah and you can draw into the what I was saying about Warren Gatland and how important a win is for him they've kind of pulled so Wales have pulled 40 minute performances in all of their games but they haven't gotten a, a result the value in his message will drop and drop as the wins stay further and further away. You look at, say, what's happened for France and Ireland, number one, number two, this 12 months ago going into the World Cup, um, and you look at what's, the you know, the everybody was like, will there be a fallout? What will happen? Ireland comes straight out of the blocks, lost an iconic player, a talismanic player, um, new 10 comes in and brings his own kind of identity and stamp to the game. And Ireland more or less pick up and go, okay, well, the New Zealand game, you know, bar, you know, a 10 minute blip, but they're back and they're still buying into what the coach is saying. It does look like Galtier's words are falling on deaf ears at the moment. Is there any parallels to this uh, with 
perhaps Ireland, the, end of the, the end of the Joe Schmidt era. There is. There's a, a, significant, a significant low. France's low was a World Cup. Ireland's low was losing to England in the first game of that Six Nations in 2019. And it just, it's kind of... It's well noted, I think, at this stage that Gautier is quite an intense character. Um, I think there were a few members of the coaching staff that were in place prior to the last World Cup almost to kind of mitigate against his more intense elements, I think. Some of those faces have gone. They've changed their backroom staff. And it's a case of well, once that message, like you said, isn't leading to winning, all of a sudden it's very hard to get on board, um, which is, well, our, you know, Ireland have done something differently now. The Fat Farrell is a very different character to Schmidt. It's he's probably a little bit less intense. It's a lot easier to be around him when you're losing, whereas perhaps these intense characters are... A simple thing for me, Jerry, is selection. You're picking um, the halfbacks from um, Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yeah, who are like almost... <laughs> almost exclusively attack based and obviously they're not but you've picked two halfbacks who are love to move the ball and they play a very very high tempo fast paced game very loose in structure and you've picked them in a national team that kicked the ball more than anybody else in world rugby so why are you picking those two players for that game plan either pick them and embrace the way that they are playing and change the game plan evolve it and move to what they how they play or pick two 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 other players. And I think that's a that's a that to me seems to be a big issue with what France are doing. There's, they have a lot of issues at the moment. I mean, that performance in the velodrome. I meant saying at this part, their damaged goods. This is their 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 Six Nations campaign has now been derailed, and they should be three defeats from three. They they really should be. And I think Gatti's time is, I think his days are numbered now. Will he last the tournament? He's just about, I'd say. I mean, he's going to contract for four years, so maybe he lasts longer. But I think, I think they're, it's a damage management ticket now because three of the backroom staff have gone and been replaced. The replacements have not been very inspiring. I was talking to somebody in the French media last week who asked me about how the Irish squad had dealt with their World Cup hangover. And I said they came together on the Monday before the Six Nations started and they went to the debrief on entirely of the quarterfinal defeat by New Zealand and it's hardly been mentioned particularly since the first game against France the, the quarterfinal against New Zealand thankfully I think I went through a whole week last week without mentioning the World Cup I've just mentioned it now but do you know what I mean it's great we've moved on France haven't at all it is still mentioned almost every week by players by coaches by Galtier the defeat to South Africa in the quarterfinal it's still bemoaned what went wrong that day, refereeing decisions that didn't go their way. They haven't moved. Well, so the, 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 the hangover, yeah, of course. So the, the hangover has lingered, number one. The the selection has been uninspiring, although in fairness to Gail Fico, who was poor in the velodrome, he's been outstanding in the two games since. So he was perhaps writ, being written off by the French media too soon. But for me, like you pick Maxime Lucou and Mathieu Jalabert and Damien Penault and Bielbieri on, on the left wing, four. Bordeaux Begla backs who pick a bunch of Toulouse players are playing fantastic rugby. Bordeaux Begla players were playing fantastic rugby. Nolan Legarek at Scrum Half and all the other players at Racing were top of the table playing very expansive rugby with Stuart Lancaster at Racing. And they come into France and they're playing a very, again, a very restrictive band of rugby. It's two phases kick, two phases kick. Don't play any rugby in your own half. half. I said it before, that try, that, that wonder try that Damien Benno scored in the Viva last season was off script. 
That wasn't meant to happen. Gatia wasn't happy that they didn't kick the ball because they were in their own half and that's what they have to do. And the two, the two tiny shreds of light in their performance, the two what we call French flair that Galtier talks about in the Netflix documentary but his teams don't play with because they're not let, was when Jalabert counted from inside his own half twice. I said the first time, do you remember the very first attack of the game uh, when Hugo does a great, Hugo Keane does a great read on Penno by the touchdown. On the left side, yeah. And then there was another counter-attack that lends up with Bielberry going up the left wing. But by and large, they don't play like that. They didn't play particularly well against Italy yesterday. And strictly by the laws, that last penalty by Garbisi should have been retaken because yeah. two French players can, can clearly move forward. And even the, the, the waterman coming on as well. Like it was just... A bit of shit out by the French didn't reflect well on them, and that penalty should have been retaken. And it's an awful shame that Italy didn't win because they would have deserved to win. Retaken or otherwise, Gordon, you have to feel for Paolo Garbisi in that situation. The, the ball falls off. I mean, the roof is closed. There's no wind. There's no, there's no wind knocking that ball off the tee. But at the same time, it's just of all the things to go wrong with the game yeah, on the line. I'd say it's probably happened five times in his whole professional career where the ball's fallen off a tee. Um, desperately unlucky, but nobody's looking at him going, you missed that one. You know, the way they would do and other kickers rushed. He might have had another second or two to steady himself, but like he really had to he had to kick it. Um, I think Jerry's right. Referee, as soon as those guys went forward, you want the referee to go, hang on, no, no, no. Reset the clock. You can't come forward. You know, it should all be in the favour of him. But, like they don't get a win, but they get the they get the moral win. Draw in France, draw against France. They take that. If you saw if you saw Michele Lamoureux's face when he had to do that joint lift of what they call they call it the Garibaldi oh, yeah, trophy. Yeah, 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 Michele yeah, Lamoureux's yeah, face yeah, when he's yeah. lifting that with Charles Olivon. I don't think he thought it was a moral victory. Law twenty two under scoring, which is I think law eight in section twenty two. If the kicker indicates to the referee the intent to kick a goal, quote the opposing team must stand still with their hands by their sides from the time the kicker starts to approach to kick until the ball is kicked. Move on to section 27. God, rugby. Anyway, um, if the opposing team infringes while the kick is being taken, but the kick at goal is successful, the goal stands and a further penalty is not awarded. If the kick is unsuccessful, the non-offending team is awarded a penalty 10 metres in front of the original mark. Like, it's black and white. The only thing, in fairness to the officials, I don't think the shot clock was designed with all this kind of stuff in mind. And it's a very big, brave TMO and referee who says to the home team, sorry, they're getting the second go at this 10 metres closer to the post. But them's the laws and Italy, we're done. <laughs> we're all Italy. Right, well, after that forensic look at the laws, well, we'll probably leave, we'll leave it there for now. Myself and John O'Sullivan will be back on Thursday for another episode of The Counter Rock. My thanks to Cherry Thorny. Cheers. And of course, Gordon Darcy. Thanks, Thank you for listening. This is The Counter Rock, uh, sponsored by Nikki Business. Be sure to leave a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.